Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I am grateful for you and glad that you're joining me here on the podcast. Uh, the goal of the Bible in Life podcast is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology. That is theology that's rooted in the language of everyday life, that's set in the context of everyday life. And the goal of it is to help us follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. And all our lives are different and all our lives have different uh, specifics and different details and different contexts and different losses and different joys. And yet Jesus is present in the midst of all of that. And so what would it look like to walk with Jesus right where we live in our actual life? That's the heart and soul behind what I try to offer here on the podcast, just as we wrestle with the text of scripture and think about the implications and and so for those of you who are faithful listeners of The Bible in Life, I'm so glad you're a part of The Bible in Life family. Thanks for being here. And if you're new, if this is your first, second, you're just recently joining The Bible in Life podcast, man, I'm glad you're here. I pray that you find it valuable and helpful to you as you seek to walk with Jesus day in and day out. Over the last handful of weeks on the podcast, what we've been doing is just pulling snapshots from the book of Acts, just some of my favorite little episodes or scenes from the book of Acts is, uh, and exploring those together, reflecting on those together. Part of that's driven by the fact I love the book of Acts. I taught it for over 12 years at a local Bible college. I'm currently also recording uh, the book of Acts, a commentary on that, on my audio commentary on the New Testament. It's called the Listener's Commentary. If you haven't checked that out, you might check that out as well. You can search for it on your podcast player, Listener's Commentary. And uh, I've, I've got 10 books done on the commentary and currently working on Acts. And since I'm already working on that, it just made me think about Acts, how much I love it. Um, and just think about some of my favorite episodes. So that's what we've been doing on the podcast. And we've looked at a handful of those episodes. Today, on this episode of the podcast, I want to look at really a central story, a central snapshot from the book of Acts. The story is told in Acts chapter 9. And if you're familiar at all with the book of Acts, you'll immediately know Acts chapter 9 tells the story of uh, the apostle Paul's conversion and how he became a Christian because he wasn't always that. And so I want to look at that snapshot and then just reflect on how that impacted Paul and what Paul wants us to learn from it as we look about his, his testimony. And so let me set the context. Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul has been engaging in really an official policy among the Jews of his day, an official policy of persecuting Christians and gathering Christians, bringing them back, interrogating them, punishing them, persecuting them, helping uh, put them to death, or at least cheering on their, their, their death. Uh, and so Paul is... Uh, at this point in time, Paul is a, the chief persecutor of Christians in the early church. And when you listen to Paul tell about these days, it becomes clear that all of this is driven by his zeal for God as he understood him and his zeal for God's law. However misguided it was, it was driven by his zealousness. In fact, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul says that he was more extremely zealous for his ancestral traditions. That's how he describes himself. And in Philippians chapter 3, at the beginning of the chapter, Paul really describes some ways that zealousness played out. Now, he talks about, 
his background and how if, if we're going to play the stats game as a Jew, he had all the goods to play it with. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the nation of Israel. He was a Pharisee, and that meant he was like a, he kept the, the law to an nth degree. He was uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? Um, he was, uh, as he says, as to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness, which is found in the law, he said, I was blameless. And Paul was just driven by his zeal for uh, God as he understood him through the law and through his ancestral traditions. And so it drove Paul to be the chief persecutor of Christians because of his understanding of what they were they were preaching, really his misunderstanding of what they were preaching and how he thought what that meant for Jesus as Messiah. Well, Acts chapter 9 recounts how uh, Paul got letters from the leaders in Jerusalem, from the, uh, the official leaders. He got letters giving him authority to go to the synagogues in the city of Damascus and see if he couldn't root out any followers of Jesus there in Damascus. And if so, he was going to arrest them, bring them back to Jerusalem to be interrogated and tried. And so he's given official letters. He gathers up his crew of people who are going to go on this journey and gathers all their supplies because Damascus isn't close. It's about 130 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus. It's a bit of a trek, right? Particularly, you know, you're talking no cars. This is going to take a while. So he gathers up his supplies, gathers up his team. They begin making the journey all the way to Damascus. And as they approach the city of Damascus, they're on the outskirts of the city. So they've been traveling now for a good number of days, and they're just arriving at Damascus. And as they're approaching the city, Luke tells us in the book of Acts, Acts 9, how all of a sudden there's a bright light that flashes from heaven. Uh, Paul is knocked to the ground, and out of the midst of this life, this light, Paul hears a voice speaking that says, Saul, Saul, Saul was his Hebrew name, and that's what he was known by, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, and Saul is like, what in the world's going on? I'm having a vision. There's a voice from heaven speaking, bright light. And he responds with, who is it, Lord? And uh, Jesus responds, the voice responds and says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and it shall be told to you what you must do. This is a shocking development in history. This is a shocking development, first of all, in Paul's life. Um, he's on his way to persecute Christians and to gather them up. And all of a sudden now, a voice from heaven speaking out of a bright light tells him, no, I am Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. You need to go in the city and you're going to get instructions about what all this means. Well, Saul's overwhelmed by all this. He enters into the city. Uh, he goes to where he's staying and uh, he's blind as a result of the light. And so there's this temporary blindness that has been imposed upon him, somewhat symbolic of his spiritual blindness. And it, Luke tells us that he's fasting and praying for three whole days. And so the whole next three days, you have to imagine the Apostle Paul in Damascus praying fasting, searching his mind, searching all the scriptures probably of his mind that he he had memorized and recalled, trying to figure out, okay, if that's Jesus and Jesus is really alive and Jesus is speaking to me from heaven, then I have been 
dramatically and terribly and drastically wrong. And so for three days, he's praying and wrestling with the Lord and, and, and sorting all this out. And he's blind in the midst of all this. He's not eating anything. And at the end of three days, as Luke tells the story in Acts 9, what happens is Jesus then appears to a man in Damascus by the name of Ananias, a follower of Jesus, and says, you need to go over to Straight Street where the, this man named Saul is staying, and he's a chosen instrument of mine, and you need to tell him about me. And Ananias is like, whoa, Lord, are you sure you got the right guy? Because we've heard about him and we know why he was coming here. Are you really sure? And Jesus is like, go, I'm sure I know what I'm doing. So Ananias goes to where Paul is staying and Ananias um, basically shares like, Jesus has sent me to you and here's what this means and you're his chosen instrument and he's got big plans for you and uh, immediately as Ananias lays his hands on him, Paul can see again and then they then Paul's like, I want to follow Jesus. They take him out immediately and baptize him. He takes some food and he eats. And at this point, uh, Saul actually begins preaching in the synagogues of Damascus. So he goes to Damascus to be the chief persecutor of Christians. And all of a sudden, there he is in the city being a promoter of Jesus in the, the synagogues. It is a dramatic change. Paul had all the pieces, right? He had all the knowledge. He had the zeal for God. He had a heart for holiness. He had all of this. He just didn't put the pieces together right. And in this moment, and over the course of these three days, as he's reviewing everything he knows, he comes to understand who Jesus is. And, and I imagine him beginning to figure out, wait a second, what about this passage? And what about that passage? And so he begins preaching in the synagogues using the Hebrew scriptures, telling them who Jesus is, and his life is forever changed. This event here on the road to Damascus precipitated for Paul a total reorientation of life. Uh, he by his own testimony later in his letters, he had seen the resurrected Jesus and his life was radically rearranged and reoriented. And now Paul, though we may not have the same sort of Damascus Road experience, right? Like none of us are going to have the exact same experience as Paul. Most of our conversions are going to be pretty mundane, especially compared to Paul's. And so we may not have the same experience that Paul did, Interestingly enough, Paul challenges us to imitate the results, and he does that in Philippians 3. We'll look at that in just a second. But before we look at that, um, there are just a handful of ideas that Paul learned because of this encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And so I want to just list off these five Five things that it, at least five things that the Apostle Paul learned that rearranged his whole worldview, his whole approach to life from what happened on the road to Damascus. First thing Paul learned was this. He learned that even though he thought he was doing God's will as a Jew, he was completely out of step with God. Uh, so he, he believed he was zealously serving God and yet he was actually opposing God and completely out of step with God and his will. Second thing Paul learned was that Jesus was alive, that indeed Jesus was alive and vindicated by God, just as the Christians in Jerusalem had said. Jesus wasn't cursed by God as Paul thought, like cursed as anyone who hangs on a tree. That's what Deuteronomy said. So in Paul's mind, that meant Jesus should have been cursed. And yet 
Jesus wasn't cursed by God, or if he was, he had now been vindicated, had been risen from the dead and exalted and was alive and could speak to, to Saul from heaven. And thus, he, he is Israel's Messiah. In some regard, what the Christians said about him must be true since Jesus was alive and vindicated and exalted by God, not cursed. A third thing that Paul learned on the Damascus Road was that God's uh, prophetic plan for the Messiah and for what God was going to do involves both the present and the future. I talked about this on a recent podcast series where we talked about a lot about the already and the not yet, where we live during the overlap of the ages. The, the typical Jewish way, the way Paul would have thought about things before this encounter with Jesus on Damascus Road was when Messiah came, all things would be made new, all curses removed, uh, the golden era would enter in, a resurrection would happen, right? And all this stuff that, right? That's the way he thought, but that's not what happened. What happened was we got an inbreaking of the, the age to come that brought some of the blessings of the age to come, but not all of the blessings or not complete blessings of the age to come. That God's plan involved an overlap. That there's some things that are true now that still overlap with some of the fallenness and brokenness of the world, but there's more that's going to come. Paul learned that in this moment in Damascus in this experience. A fourth thing that the Apostle Paul learned from this experience is he learned that to persecute Christians is to persecute Christ. Uh, the voice from heaven, Jesus speaking to him out of the bright light said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul was on his way to persecute Christians. As far as Jesus was concerned, he was the one being persecuted by Paul. To persecute Christians is to persecute Christ because Christians are the body of Christ. And what happens to Christians happens to Christ. And thus, for, for what Paul learned was that when you attack Christians, you're actually attacking Christ, the Messiah, Jesus himself. And so Paul learned that. And that shows up in his theology later and some of the things he writes in his letters and some of the things he learned about his own things that he suffered in life as a follower of Jesus. He was participating in the sufferings of Messiah, Paul says. And so he learned that in this experience based on what Jesus said to him. And then the fifth thing that Paul learned through this experience is that Jesus had a specific mission for him to perform, that he was instructed to go into Damascus, wait, because Jesus was going to give him instructions. Jesus sent Ananias to him, told him, you are my chosen instrument. I am going to send you away. I'm going to have you speak to the Gentiles. I'm actually, you're going to suffer abundantly for my name's sake. So he had a specific job to do for Jesus. And Jesus had a calling, a mission on his life. And Paul learned all of these things in this moment here on the Damascus Road. And Paul was faithful to his calling. Paul was faithful to the vision he had. In fact, when Paul retells this story later on in the book of Acts, it's retold in Acts 22 and Acts 26. When Paul retells this story, he says, I was not unfaithful to the heavenly vision. Like, all right, I learned these things and my life forever changed. And so here in Acts 9, immediately you see the Apostle Paul, as soon as he's been baptized, as soon as he can see again, immediately he begins proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues of Damascus because that was the task that Jesus had for him. And so, as I said, this event precipitated for Paul a 
total reorientation of life. And Paul goes from being the chief persecutor to being the chief promoter of Jesus, to giving his whole life in promoting Jesus, however he could, wherever he could, suffering and serving and doing his best to make disciples of Jesus and promote Jesus all around the Mediterranean world. And Paul, as I noted, doesn't expect us to have the same sort of experience, but he does expect followers of Jesus to imitate the result, the effect of this reorientation. How do I know that? Well, what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, we listed off some of the the privileges and achievements that Paul had as a Jew prior to meeting Jesus, right? And he had all these credentials. He had all these privileges. He had all this cultural heritage. He was an upstanding uh, Jewish young man, right? He was an up-and-comer among the Jews of his day. He was studying under the greatest rabbi of his day, Gamaliel. Uh, He was blameless according to the law. He was zealous, right? Like all these things he's listed off. But then here's what Paul says in Philippians chapter three. He says this, but whatever things were gained to me, all these privileges and accomplishments, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. What's more, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. Talked about that word before on the podcast when we've looked at uh, Philippians 3 in details. Rubbish, right? Like worthless filth. The kind of stuff you find in the bottom of an outhouse or the stuff that when you forget about it in the Tupperware in the back of the fridge and it rots and mildews. Like Paul says, whatever things were gained to me, They're like that compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I might gain Christ and might be found in him at the day of final judgment, might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that uh, derived from myself that I could generate, but that which is through faith in Jesus, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. This is Paul describing the total reorientation of life. This is Paul looking at his life and realizing, I thought these were assets and now I realize they're actually losses and liabilities. They're worthless filth and I set them all aside that I might gain Jesus and know Jesus and live for Jesus and serve for Jesus. But Paul's not just telling us this this description of this total reorientation for himself or for his benefit. I mean, there is that component, but this is what he says. In verse 17, after continuing this description, he says this. He says, brothers and sisters, join in following my example. Join in following the pattern that you have. In fact, he says, observe all of those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. He's calling us, in other words, to have Uh, to imitate the effect of the total reorientation of his life. And so, as followers of Jesus, it's not just like adding a little Jesus onto life as normal. For Paul, it's a complete upending of life and a complete reorientation of life. And Paul wants us to look at our life the same way. Like, 
whatever things might have been gained to us, whatever things we thought were assets in our life before, whatever achievements and accomplishes and statuses perhaps we arrived at through the course of our life, Paul says, compare those with the, the treasure of knowing Jesus. And there's no comparison. And so would you give your life, Paul says, to imitating what happened to me? Would you give your life to reorienting your life completely around the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord? So I guess the question for you and for me is, has the fact of Jesus's resurrection so impacted us like it did Paul? Has the fact of Jesus' exaltation to be king and Lord changed our life as deeply as it changed Paul? Has it forced us to evaluate our life and continually come back to that and to remember Jesus is the supreme treasure, that nothing else in life is worth Jesus, that he is the supreme asset. He is the one thing that's truly worth living for, whatever things we might lose as we serve him really don't matter and don't compare to Jesus himself. Has the reality of Jesus's worth and beauty and value and exaltation and greatness caused us to say, I want to know nothing more than Jesus and him crucified. That's the impact it had on Paul. And that's the impact he's really inviting us into when he says, join in following my example. And anyone else who walks the same way, who carries out their life the same way, imitate them, pattern your life after them. May you and I be people who increasingly realize the supreme value that Jesus is and live our life solely and completely for him and him alone, whatever the cost, whatever the loss, whatever the joy, whatever the, the difficulty, may we live for Jesus to some degree with the same devotion that the Apostle Paul did. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Bible and Life. As I mentioned at the beginning, I am so glad that you're here. The Bible and Life is made possible by the generosity of a handful of people who give generously to support this work and this ministry. They make the Bible and life possible. They make the listener's commentary possible. So thanks a ton to those of you who support this work. And if, you're, if you've been blessed in some way, impacted some way by either the listener's commentary or the Bible and life, would you prayerfully consider joining the team of supporters so that this ministry could continue to grow and impact people all around the world? Hey, thanks a ton for tuning into this episode. May you have a blessed week in Jesus. May you seek him with all your might and may you serve him wholeheartedly right there in the midst of your everyday life. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.